Hello, and welcome to a very special episode of They Made Another One, where each week we study an often forgotten installment in a franchise and see how it holds up all on its own. I'm one of your hosts, Corey. And I'm your other host, Liam. And generally speaking, all of that is still going to be true, but this week we are doing something that we've never done before, but we think we're going to keep trying it. we got to expand our horizons a little bit, and we're heading to the small screen. That's right. We're heading to television, and I'm sure you could have guessed that based on the title, but we're sitting here recording it right now, and I need this to have some gravitas, okay? <laughs> so, we are heading to TV for the first time, and we thought there really wasn't going to be a better way to do that than to grab onto a franchise that is near and dear to at least one of our hearts, which is the Boy Meets World franchise. We're talking about Girl Meets World, and to do that... Uh, Liam, would you like to introduce our very special guest? Of course. So the guest we have brought for you today, specifically curated for this very, very special episode, is one of my best friends in the world. I went to high school with him, and we have a lot of Boy Meets World history together. His name is Bean, and he's here to talk with us about girl and boys meeting the their respective worlds. Bean, how's it going? Good good awesome. yeah i'm Sorry. glad it's not going bad good what, what, what are you thinking about this are you uh are you excited to talk about these shows how long has it been since you since you first since you last saw boy meets world oh god since i last saw it i mean there was definitely a lot of references that came up that i completely forgot had happened yes um yeah so that was pretty cool and then it was like you know triggering all the memories um but it's probably been uh, like at least six years since I last watched Boy Meets World. Yeah, you know what? For me, it's the exact same, which is so weird to think because uh, everybody and Corey included, I'll tell this to you right now. Boy Meets World was me and Bean's show. And I'm not even talking like when we were young kids and it was airing on TV because I have a bit of memories from it back then. But I'm saying like when Bean and I were in high school, which would have been 2010 to 2014 we watched this show so much we both bought the uh the series box set and whenever we would have sleepovers he would bring his discs or i would bring my discs and we would just put this show on at night and just watch watch it discs at a time and whenever it aired on reruns on abc spark we would watch it we would always be quoting it we would be trying to turn other people onto it this show was so so special to us and i really feel like it uh it's got to be up there top three not even movies and tv like top three pieces of media in my life i would say boy meets world is right up there it is absolutely huge for me what do you what do you think Bean? what do you think about boy meets world in general i mean i wouldn't say top three pieces of media top five for sure nice yeah yeah it was uh it was exciting to come back and so, I mean, this this has the potential to be a very long answer, so do what you can with what is probably going to be a giant question then. Because even top five, that's a pretty big statement when you consider there's a lot of different kinds of media. So um, what is it, if you could try to dilute it into a particular thing or a couple things, what is it about Boy Meets World that drew you both to it so heavily, especially since you were getting to it once you were arguably like out of the core demographic and also it was like 20 years old at that point 
Yeah. Why don't, why don't you tell your story first, Bean? How do you remember discovering this show? I, I don't recall exactly how you got uh, onto it. So it was a sleepover at your house, actually. Um, okay. Yeah, we just put, like you were like, yeah, this show's Boy Meets World, and you put on like season season one, disc one, I think, and we watched like the entire season in one night. Mm. Yeah, good times. And then, uh, so I mean, <clears throat> like you know, the show's got. It's got great like character growth, um, really good like storylines, and it's not even like just straight up after school special kind of storylines. Like they do deal with some more tougher. I know that's not a word, but some more tough subject matter that you wouldn't have really seen, especially when that show was airing. Yeah, 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 they do they do that for sure. And I think um that that's what initially piqued my interest with the show, that combined with the character growth that you're talking about. My experience with Boy Meets World goes back to um about it, it would have been honestly as as early as uh maybe 2000 or so, 2001 right around the time the show was ending. Um, I remember being super duper young and it being on TV and it wasn't a show I watched at that time, but it was a show that I was familiar with from uh, me or my brother flicking through channels. And I knew the small little curly headed boy. <laughs> um, and like, I knew that that was a sitcom that was on a lot. I recognized Corey Matthews face, but I never sat down to watch it. Um, and then I have a very vivid memory of being um, up really early Christmas Day. It would have been about 2005 or so. So this puts me in about the fourth grade, five years after Boy Meets World has ended. I was so up we're talking, really early. We're talking like quality Christmas age. Yeah, yeah, yeah Christmas matters a lot at this point. Yeah, which is why I was up so early on this Christmas. Cause I woke up like 3, 4 a.m., right? And my parents aren't going to get up for a few more hours. And I just have time to kill. And uh, what we did in 2005 um, was we would turn on the TV because I didn't really know much about the internet. I didn't have a phone. And books are lame. So I put on the TV. That's objectively true. And yeah and uh and luckily there wasn't a black and white movie on because that's also lame i turn on the objectively TV true and and an episode of boy meets world is on but my mind was freaking blown because it wasn't the little curly headed boy it was now a big curly headed man and he was at college <laughs> and all his friends that i sort of recognized were now much much older i'm talking like to me, they looked like they must have been eight, nine hundred years, years old. old. Yeah, yeah. And <laughs> my mind was blown because I was like, this is clearly the same TV show there. It's not just a case of an actor I recognize in another show. This is the same show. And now they're adults. What the hell is this show? Where did the little curly headed boy go? So that night I decided to take my curiosity from just the TV screen to the internet maybe maybe this christmas day was like the first time i really took hold of the internet this could have been my coming of age crossover moment because i went from the tv and i went to the computer big ass desktop computer and i looked up this show boy meets world and i read the entire wikipedia page um 
or whatever page was wikipedia around in 2005 yeah. must yeah be. yeah must for sure so i I read this Wikipedia page all about this show, Boy Meets World, and how it lasted so long, and all these character names, and there was bits about running gags in there on IMDb and stuff, and I was just so interested as to how this show could last so long, and these these kids could grow up on the screen. I thought it was so cool. So fast forward a few years, maybe 2008 or so, 2009, when YouTube is a thing, and um, this was the Wild West of YouTube when full movies and shows in parts could just be uploaded to YouTube and, and you could watch entire series. And so I just started watching Boy Meets World episodes. I started watching best of clips. So I actually became um, really familiar with Boy Meets World all, all its best parts first. So I was seeing like all these iconic scenes and moments that I didn't really have any context for. And, um, and I would just watch these compilations over and over. And then eventually I went and I watched the episodes and then I watched those episodes enough that I bought them on DVD probably in about 2009, 2010 or so. And I started watching the show front to back. And then all these moments had context for me. Um, and so it was a really kind of backward way of coming into this show where it, it wasn't, I was fascinated by it from the very beginning. And um, what stuck with me beyond that initial idea of seeing these characters grow up on screen was just that um, I knew from watching it on YouTube early on that this was something that was dear to people. And I've talked about this feeling a lot, stuff like Jurassic Park and E.T., like watching stuff that I know is really big and 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 then watching it for the first time and being able to feel that. That's how it felt for me watching Boy Meets World about eight years or so after the show ended. Um, and then you spend enough time with a show like that, uh, I think you're just going to fall in love with it. And I, I absolutely fell in love with the characters and the fact that you get to see them do so much because there's seven seasons. And so the storylines you see go from entirely goofy, we just need to fill an episode with a bunch of gags, to episodes that are about those serious subject matters that Bean was talking about. They would do those every once in a while um, because... You're, you're dealing with kids here from the age of 12 until about 20 or so. And this wasn't a Disney show. It was on ABC. And so the content um, could be a bit edgier and the humor could grow and develop with the characters. And so it was sort of that Harry Potter effect of the first season is your more regular sitcom and it's catered to kids who are that age. But then as the characters age... It, it felt like the series also developed in its humor and the storylines it was dealing with. And I'm not saying that by season seven, it was a hard drama because <laughs> that's where a lot of the goofiest stuff actually comes from was that seventh season. But also it wasn't afraid to go to places that um, maybe only people who are th that same age as the characters would understand stuff like teen sex is in there and, um, and, alcoholism uh, and al alcoholism is in there but all of this stuff was tied in the sitcom the sitcom framework and these really clever a lot of dialogue based humor and so it never it never felt like a show that had those very special episodes that saved by the bell had where it diverged for 20 minutes and <laughs> went to like be a hardcore cheesy drama to get a point across. And, and Nancy Reagan is there something. 
yeah yeah it, it it somehow it did all these things really seamlessly um and much like harry potter i think the casting is just amazing i mean i love every one of these main actors and so it, it's just one of those shows that i found at the right time and so it feels like it's been with me all my life and it's endlessly rewatchable so having those discs you know i was just i was just so excited to show my parents this show show my friends this show you know that's why i showed it to bean because i just knew that it was a great show to put on and watch with your friends and eventually you get hooked on it and so it's it's just one of those things that's always been so special to me um but like bean i haven't seen it in about six years because six years ago or so would have been when I left my childhood home to go to university and I got away from a DVD player. Um, I got away from my routine of going to bed at 11 p.m. and kind of hanging out in bed um, for an hour and watching the show. You know, there was just there was more stuff to do. And uh, I had seen the show so many times that I, I was just in a different point of my life. And so I haven't I haven't seen the show for a long, long time either that original show i don't think i've rewatched it front to back since um maybe 2014 2015 which would be the year i graduated high school i i do want to point out i think that that is a very um because we're like the cusp of gen z whatever that means um but i think that's a very gen z way to come into like a popular thing from before we were really like conscious or like that was popular before we were kids is finding like best of clips on the internet rather than getting something in like the full context of what the thing actually is and having to start with like weird fragments that you got from like in this, this digital scape archeological content dig. And then you have to work backwards to understand why those are the best parts of boy meets world. I think like looking it up from a Wikipedia page and having to sort of like, figure out why those things have significance is like an extremely internet era way to get into something. I know that is interesting. It's, it's, it's cool to think that that very well could have been my introduction to the internet, you know, as far back as 2005, that's what the internet could be used for. So it totally makes sense that that's still what people are doing. It's, it's a great way to use the internet. I think one of the best ways (laughs) it could be, it could be argued. And I think it's just, it's, um, it's so easy now to like find a random snippet of a thing and be like, I have no idea what this is, but that was cool. And then have to figure out like what the fuck it actually was. So, uh, I do like that. It's kind of that. Um, I, I do want to ask. So before we get into girl meets world, um, is there, is there a particular thing from like an episode of boy meets world that either of you have that really sort of encapsulates like what that show is and why you like it to you. Um, like, is there a specific thing that you might find in one of those best of episodes on YouTube or something that is like, this is the essence of boy meets world. It's a good question. Bean, do you have anything that comes to mind immediately? Nothing that comes to mind immediately. I was, I was trying to think about that after you mentioned it. Yeah, it, 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 it's tough because there's so much to the show and it goes through so many different eras. Your first season is a kid sitcom and um, then you get the sort of goofier teen stuff from the middle and then they go to college um, and you're getting uh, college jokes and also you're getting talk about uh, sex and talk about um, gambling 
lives and gambling and stuff. Yeah, so it's it's tough. It's a really varied show. Um, but I would say what sticks out to me is a fantastic episode from what I believe to be the show's peak, which would be season four, right, right in the middle. So you got your main characters, um, the younger ones, Corey, Sean, and Topanga. They're in... 11th grade at this point and they got to prepare for their SATs whereas their older brother Corey's older brother Eric is a few years out of high school at this point and he's he's been living as a townie for a year or two and uh, <laughs> living as and a townie yeah and not living up to his his potential of going to college which is what a lot of people say to him you have so much potential and um you have so many things you're good at and it seems like you're not enjoying the townie life so if if you let yourself try i think you could do a whole lot and so eric um he's shrugging that aside for a, a lot of the time a lot of season four is that's really the eric season and um it's him uh trying to be satisfied with just laying low um and and accepting that he's not like all his friends who went to college he's not able to do stuff like that and so he gets a job in this season four episode called security guy he gets a job as a security guy and he's like, yo, this is my thing. Um, I can carry around a baton and I can stay out late at night. And, um, and this is what, this is what I'm going to do. My life is really starting. And he meets another guy on the job who just came to America from, uh, it might be India. And he learns that th this partner, the security guy partner was a doctor in his other country. And, now he is studying while being a security guy to go back to school because um, his credentials aren't transferring over. And so he, he's going to start over. Um, but he says that, you know, anything worth doing like that is, is worth putting in the work again. And soon everyone in America will know that I'm, I'm an engineer or a doctor or whatever it is. And so um, it's right at the end of the episode. Eric listens to this guy talk um, and then he looks through the window of the high school where his little brother and his friends are going. And he he's watching them um, in an SAT prep class that's led by Mr. Feeney that Feeney has been trying to get all three of them to go to the entire episode. And they're finally there at the end of this episode. And Eric looks through the window and he has his SAT prep book in his hand and he starts following along with the class from outside the window and um, and in the classroom as they're all listening to uh, Beanie talk about SATs, Sean picks up a fork and just scoops a big piece of cake into his mouth and happily eats it because the only way they could get Sean to go to the SAT class was if they promised him that there would be cake and oh. Feeney, I guess, <laughs> I guess Feeney had to go get some cake in order to make Sean be there. So it's this really, really sweet moment where all the storylines converge, but then there's also just this, uh, this funny little visual gag of Sean eating the cake. And I just think that's where boy meets world is at its best where it's being, it's being, um, it, it has some humor to it. Also, it's teaching you a lesson, but it's not screaming that lesson at you. That whole sequence um, after the dude is done explaining to Eric about uh, what his former life was like, and Eric's looking through that window, it's all just visual. 
um, and you just look at their facial expressions and it's a really, really sweet moment. And it also is a payoff to a whole lot of previous episodes because we've been watching Eric um, and Sean struggle for a long time about their own place in uh, that point in their lives. And so everything just converges and it's just really, really awesome. And so uh, I think the show is super satisfying because there's so much of it and you get to see these characters develop as the show goes on. It's not just a sitcom of the week and it's not a very special episode. It, it somehow manages to combine the best parts of both of those things and, and makes it... Uh, really satisfying and really funny see my favorite episode it's same season um but it's not one that just kind of blends in with the rest like um the sat prep episode there Mm -hmm. it's the halloween episode oh yes of course like by far in my opinion that was the best episode and i think a lot of like forums on online would agree with that um it's so out of the i don't want to say like they, they do like a slasher spoof um and it's during a point where cory and topanga are broken up um and it's it it shows how sean is dealing with it and and then they do like this big unmasking at the end and spoiler alert <laughs> it's Sean the whole time oh shit um it's like his second self and then he's like yeah you guys need to be together you shouldn't be apart um and like it just shows how he was just so unable to deal with his two best friends barely even being able to be in the same room together. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, I think that's an example of boy meets world juggling storytelling and humor at its finest, because there is that payoff at the end where Sean is the killer in this sort of uh, dream sequence that takes up the entire episode. But before that you have 20 straight minutes of solid super duper witty memorable iconic jokes that riff on various different horror movies it's Corey. it's really a bottle episode where the the whole main cast including the older brother and uh and his friend you get a whole bunch of them are just stuck in the school and they start to get picked off one by one and they think that it's mr feeney doing it and the whole thing is just packed with jokes um and it's super weird because it, it didn't even air in Halloween. Um, um, That's a huge creative just, flex. Like, welcome to March. It's the Halloween yeah, episode. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, it aired in February. I've got the page yeah. up for it right now. <laughs> yeah, and they just they just decided to do it. Um, and it, it just... I think what that episode shows more than anything is just how strong the show's humor was when it was when it was firing on all cylinders. It shows how strong all those actors were when they have great material um, because you're putting them all in one place and uh, making them act off each other. And it is so funny. If I were to show any anyone one Boy Meets World episode, it would be that one just because 
you don't need to know anything about the characters in order to have a laugh about it. And then at the end of the episode shows you that, oh, maybe if I watch more of these episodes, I'll understand a bit more of the heart. But I don't need to know that in order to enjoy this thing. It is just it's absolutely incredible. Corey, you should totally watch this yeah, episode. Oh, I will. It's, it's jam packed. And um, and it's it's one of those episodes that has just kind of. Uh, you're, you're right, Bean. It absolutely stands out. It has an oral history written up about it. I don't know which publication did it, but they got all the actors back and the creative team to talk about where that episode came from. And and it is just so special. And the special stuff in that episode is is found in so many other episodes. The, the show is just so funny and uh, heartfelt. But above all else, it is really funny. I do think that this is a hilarious hilarious show Corey. before we move on mm-hmm. i want to know where you're coming from with boy meets world do you know anything about it what's up uh basically no um like i knew the names of some of the characters and uh that's pretty much it and it took place in a school pretty much and they were school age and a boy sure is meeting a world that's it. I had I had nothing. I had absolutely nothing so, at all. So this is once again an instance where I've shown you something from uh, later on that yeah. might paint what came before. Because not only are you a bit lost, but also it's like kind of like spoilers for uh, uh, well, for the stuff uh, earlier. I don't think I'd call it spoilers because I think you can you can kind of divorce the two things from each other. <laughs> And that's also assuming a lot about the memorability of Girl Meets World plot points Uh, Mm. that like, I don't know if at any point I decided to sit down and watch the entirety of Boy Meets World. Who knows how much of that I would still remember, Um, especially because and I don't want that to seem like it's me just being like, nope, this show that we haven't even started talking about yet sucks. But um, this is just not the kind of show that I would normally watch. By that, I, I mean either of them, um, Boy Meets World or Girl Meets World. I didn't really seek out the like kid sitcom when I was a kid. I think there's a couple exceptions to that, but that's largely because Nickelodeon had a golden age of those that gave us Drake and Josh and iCarly, uh, which I think we'll talk about later because I think they set a template for what like kid sitcoms past the 2000s kind of look like um and i think girl meets world does and doesn't meet those expectations in a lot of weird and interesting ways but in terms of actual knowledge of uh boy meets world it could be summed up more or less in in this life's tough get a helmet you told me that once and i knew that that was from that and that was basically it and there's an old man named mr feeney and he's the teacher and that's basically everything (laughs) Well, that's that's cool. I'm I'm glad that uh, we still feel like we can go back to Boy Meets World, and you're not sullied on it. I guess what you're what you're spoiled on more than anything else is uh, just the anticipation of Girl Meets World. This yeah. this feeling that you and I had of being so in love with Boy Meets World, and then knowing that these characters come back in a series 15 years later. I can remember when the announcement for Girl Meets World hit. It was me and Bean's senior year of high school. And I walked in to that school that day with a spring in my step, dude. And <laughs> we were like, 
holy shit, it's happening. It doesn't look, I don't think it's going to come out while we're in high school. So who knows where we'll be at that point. It's a distant future, but it's coming and these characters are coming back. And it was just one of those instances in life where it feels like, um, much like Maya and Riley, I was the center of the universe and that (laughs) things are catering perfectly to me because <laughs> it's my senior year of high school that was the height of my boy meets world fandom i watched it all throughout high school i had started before the ninth grade but um this would have been about a year after bean and i got into it so we were watching it all the time um i was reading a lot of stuff on the internet because at this point you know my my use of message boards was way up there and so i was active in online communities i uh I had actually been reading um, a, a blog that updated three times a week where this dude would just review really extensively, like scene by scene episodes of Boy Meets World. And he was working his way through the whole series. Um, so I was living and breathing Boy Meets World at this point. And Girl Meets World was announced. And I, I, I don't know if I've ever been as excited for any piece of uh any any piece of media in my life as i was for girl meets world so, so that's gotta mean the so expectations excited. were pretty high though too yeah, yeah expectations yeah. expectations were high what what about you bean what do you remember expectations were too high <laughs> oh wow <laughs> it, it be, i feel i feel like you've cut to yeah. the heart of the matter <laughs> um yeah it being made by disney definitely it it didn't have the same feel to it you know it was a it was a lot more and it's 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 like you said going back to the whole you know drake and josh icarly setting the frameworks and stuff like that it was definitely now that you mentioned that like i i definitely see the like how the progression was with that mm-hmm. yeah no for sure yeah, big 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 sets big sets lots of um really loud and bright humor i didn't know humor could really be bright until i carly and drake and josh came out but it's just stuff that is just like so extravagant and loud you know yeah i also think and this is something we'll get into i also think like drake and josh and i carly are really the only two of those shows that even did that really well so i guess the catch was like there was two home runs in a row basically and then everything that came after that was some variation on that formula, but things were sort of different knobs were tweaked in different ways to get like a different final product out of it. But fundamentally it was working on that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, I mean, I feel, I feel like we're also forgetting about Zoe 101 too, though. Zoe 101 is special that that might need a they made another one episode at some point but zoe 101 was a bit different wait what is that what is that a re what is how how is that apply oh because they've 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 put out uh like a 10 minute short updating yeah Uh, yeah got it yeah um zoe 101 is a bit of an outlier though because it's not your traditional sitcom right there's no laugh track and there's multi-cameras and uh it, it was more of a Man, that was a unique show. It was it was shot like a drama, but it was a comedy. True, true. But but you're you're totally right. The humor was very similar, and um, you also get like these uh, kids who are supposed to be like upper middle class, just living in billion dollar estates. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 
Yeah. And that was, that was, that was very similar. So it is, that's something that, um, started probably 15 years ago or so. And it has just carried on that sitcoms, um, look very big nowadays, you know, whereas boy meets world was grounded in realism, not just from the subject matter, um, but also from the locations and, Maybe that that maybe that made it easier for the show to be more grounded because it it feels real from the get go. Yeah, there, there was only like the three main sets, and that's the sets that you would feel as or that you would have as a kid, and that was the house, the backyard, and the school. Yeah, yeah, and and they looked pretty realistic too, right? Like that's just yeah, a regular house, a regular school. Like hallway. it wasn't this billion dollar mansion with a huge backyard or anything it was a modest th- three be- not even three bedroom it was a two bedroom house because Corey and uh, eric shared the room yeah right and morgan didn't exist so two yeah. bedrooms. <laughs> <laughs> and uh yeah it, and even that hallway in girl meets world even though on the surface it, it is the same as the boy meets world um interior because it is just a hall with a class to the side the colors are just so bright and everything is shiny and glitzy. It is very much the Disney mold that's coming after um, like the Sunny with the chances and the dog with the blog, all that stuff that like made me fall out of watching sitcoms because it was, it was all just like a bit too big and samey that, that sort of stuff is in Kuromi's world too. But um, Bean, why don't you, why don't you talk about, your first exposure to girl meets world because you say that it was, it was a bit of a letdown. Um, but these episodes weren't your first experience with it, right? No. So I I remember I watched a few episodes. It was after, it was a little bit after it, it had come out and they were just reruns. Um, and actually I think I, I might've watched the first episode when it aired and I wasn't, hugely into it and right off the bat in that first episode you had you know so many more sets um obviously a much bigger budget um and like i feel as though there wasn't the same feel to it um and then when i was in the hospital there i was watching uh, like it was just on on the t- on the TV in the, in my hospital room, and I was like, oh, you know, I'll watch this and give it another shot. There was like maybe seven or eight episodes in a row on Family Channel, and yeah, it just I don't know, it didn't really stick with me the same way Boy Meets World did. Yeah, it just it it doesn't feel the same, I guess. Um, mm-hmm. and, and I think if there's any time to get into it, it would be in a hospital when there's nothing else to do. Seven episodes in a row that might be enough to hook you you know um yeah but it well, also it also sounds like it never really had a chance based on how you guys are talking about boy meets world though like it i feel like to meet the expectations whether consciously or unconsciously it would have had to have been better than that somehow to even feel comparable to it and i just don't know if that would have been possible well i, f- I think what it is is it comes down to like i don't i don't want to say we we um put Boy Meets World on on this pedestal. It, it in my mind, it kind of is on a pedestal. Um, 
but like especially going in with the expectation you know you're expecting the show to be a lot more like boy meets world and follow you know the same styles and you know the same type of story arcs but it they i feel like they made it too too disney and i i mean obviously it, it, yeah, it's made yeah, by it's disney same. but <clears throat> like it was yeah it was too disney yeah i guess times also changed though right because while it it is arguably that that's also what that show was like like disney had sort of had cornered the market a bit by that point on that kind of mm-hmm. thing so you were gonna get something that was more or less that um I, i'm just curious i guess like was there a hope that it that it wasn't gonna be that was was there a hope that it wasn't gonna be disney yeah like was there a genuine thought that was like you know i bet they just won't do that this time well, I definitely had the hope before I knew that Disney was putting it out. <laughs> um, when I heard that Girl Meets World was happening, um, I, I didn't know immediately that it was going to be on Disney. I'm not sure if that announcement came later or if I just didn't pick that up immediately. I'm not sure if well, the timeline Disney there, owns ABC, but... so if What Meets World was ABC, then it was going to be Disney no matter what. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And so um, once I... I realized that it would it would have to be a show that um that uses a lot of the the conventions and the look and the humor of these new shows that I th- I thought it was likely that that was going to happen. I was um I was on guard. I wasn't expecting this to be the second coming of Boy Meets World, but there was a whole lot of hope because um this is a resurrected property that isn't being resurrected the same way a lot of poor sequels or remakes are done. This is something that had the same creator behind it who um, was the showrunner on Boy Meets World. A lot of the same writers um, and producers, crew in general, were coming back. And then we had Corey and Topanga who were willing to be in every single episode. And I thought the conceit of having this whole team come back and um try to do what they did again but to a new generation um and to a, a slightly different audience because we were going to have a girl as our as our main character here i thought that that was so wicked i thought it was um a, a really perfect way to bring this show back and to to introduce us to the boy meets world characters that we used to know but also not just have it be um uh, reunion of Boy Meets World characters. I thought putting the focus on Cory and Topanga's kid was great because it could mean that there's uh, a Boy Meets World for another generation and another demographic. And I was I was willing to put myself back in the headspace I put myself in when I'm watching season one of Boy Meets World, which I'd say that I've basically grown out of nowadays because it's different humor and it's meant for a different audience and the reason i um loved boy meets world so much is that it aged with me and so um as i was as i was getting into it i was about the age that the kids were at the beginning of the show and so through watching it i was able to tie it to different milestones in my life as i reached them um i i was i was willing to put myself back into 
into season one of Boy Meets World mode and know that this show needs a chance to get its footing and it needs a chance to do things differently. And um, I was really going to try to let it be a show that isn't meant specifically for me because this is a Disney sitcom, but also it it's going to... The show runners are going to know that uh, I'd say... 50% of their audience maybe is, is going to be people from back in the day. This isn't a full reboot where we're trying to um, totally just do Girl Meets World. Um, like we're going to do something inspired by Boy Meets World for a new generation. This is had the really difficult task, a Dr. Sleep-like task of, <laughs> of appealing and pleasing um, both different demographics and, and people who are on uh, two kind of different, uh, they're looking for different um, things out of what they're watching. And so I was trying to be really considerate when, when this show came out and I was going to uh, try my best to take it for what it is and give it a really fair shake. And I think I did that because um, uh, a bit contrary to being, I watched this show as it aired from front to back. I gave it the full swing. I uh, I kept up with it every single week. Um, and so if there was anything to get or if there was any chance to give, I think I did it because I watched this show for the two years or so. It was on. Uh, I saw a lot of the episodes more than once as well. And I really, really put my all into this one. Um, that seems like a good opportunity to sort of set up how we tried to tackle this to condense it into a podcast, um, especially as um, Bean had seen at least some of it. You had seen all of it. I had seen none of it. So we had to try to get a sample of three seasons and 72 episodes worth of television into something that we could conceivably talk about in a reasonable amount of time. Uh, so we had seven episodes that we watched. Um, they span all three seasons. Most of them are from season two. Uh, and I'm just going to give a quick, uh, sort of rundown of the show for anybody who might not have that info. And then I think we can probably just get straight into how we feel about it because there's a lot to get to. Um, so first we did season one, episode 16, Girl Meets Home for the Holidays, which is directed by John Whitesell and written by Jeff Mennell. Then season two, episode one, Girl Meets Gravity, directed by our boy and friend of the show, Ryder Strong, uh, written by Randy Barnes. Then season two, episode four, Girl Meets Pluto, directed by Joel Zwick and written by Matthew Nelson. Uh, season two, episode 13, Girl Meets Semi-Formal, directed by Joel Zwick and written by Will Friedle. Uh, season 2, Episode 16, Girl Meets Cory and Topanga, directed by Ben Savage and written by Joshua Jacobs. Girl Meets I Do is Season 3, Episode 10, also directed by Ben Savage and written by Mark Blutman. And then the finale is Season 3, Episode 21, Girl Meets Goodbye, directed by Joel Zwick and written by Mark Jacobs. So those were the seven episodes that we watched for this. So a touch over three hours of uh, Girl Meets World here. And I think especially for me, I know Liam, we had talked that it was really difficult to choose like what we went with. And I'll freely just say now that we went with stuff that relied a lot on your knowledge of Boy Meets World. Yeah. Um, so I was the one that picked out all these episodes. Um, and what I tried to do was um, give both Bean and Corey a good idea of what Girl Meets World is and 
its handling of the Boy Meets World material because both those things are essential to um, the foundation of the show. I mean, like I said, it's not just a standard sitcom in the vein of Boy Meets World. It's not just its own show. It is a continuation of Boy Meets World um, and it really, really wants to be too. The, these seven episodes I picked aren't the only Boy Meets World um, heavy episodes. As the show went on, and more cast members were willing to come on Girl Meets World, it became clear that the creators of the show really wanted to do as much Boy Meets World stuff as they wanted, this as as they could. This wasn't just fan service, um, and. But, but the show also wanted to have people attached to these newer, younger characters. Um, and so my thought here was that uh, by picking episodes that had Boy Meets World characters in them and um, based on the small plot summaries uh, would show off um, a a through line arc of how girl meets world deals with the boy meets world characters while also getting you some sense of how the girl meets world characters behave amongst each other and in relation to the giant show they're following up because yeah. um that that's really that's what a lot of the a lot of the show is about even from the first episode which i didn't pick um it is which i was surprised you didn't pick (laughs) yeah and it was it was it was a conscious decision because i think that um the stuff that is in that pilot episode is repeated throughout these episodes we saw um it's it's this idea that we're trying to give the the legacy of boy meets world over to a new generation in, in that pilot episode Corey matthews character he tells his daughter and her friends that it's not my world anymore it's your guy's world but then over the next two seasons we have a whole bunch of boy meets world it, characters it sure does in. feel like and, the boy meets world right and so this this is a show that um i think really had a bit of an identity crisis and so i could have picked a different seven episodes, but that um, you know, like I could, I could have picked seven episodes that don't have special guest stars. You know, they're going to have Corey and Topanga regardless, but that just dealt with the um, internal relationships between the new characters because there's a lot of that too. Um, the 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 young, good-looking boy Lucas that. <laughs> riley and maya are friends with there's a lot of uh iCarly like romance going on there where which girl is he gonna get with and do they actually like each other and then you have other members of the friend group that come in and out and and there's a lot more typical sitcom episodes that i left out because um it didn't it didn't feel fair to just show um the show as like as your regular Disney sitcom, because that's not what it wanted to be. Um, and I thought the best collection I could do would be to pick episodes that are going to have a through line. And that through line um, throughout the entire show is Boy Meets World. It's not the relationship with Lucas and it's not uh, um, Riley and Maya's relationship. It and It really ends up being riley and maya's relationship with boy meets world and so i thought the best thing to do would be to 
pick episodes where the Boy Meets World uh, older characters are introduced and sent off, but also um, uh, are going to feature Riley and Maya and um, how they react to all this uh, legacy around them. And so that was my thought. I wanted, I wanted to show Bean how the Boy Meets World characters are used in this show. Um, and I wanted to show Corey a bit of both Boy Meets World and Girl Meets World because he hadn't seen either of them. And so no matter what episodes I pick, Corey is going to get an idea of Girl Meets World because that's the show we're watching. And so I felt like it only made sense to pick episodes that dealt really strongly with the, the Boy Meets World characters and legacy. Yeah, no, really quick. I realized I didn't do this when I read the episodes. Should may- maybe give a sense of the main cast of characters. Feels like a reasonable thing to do. Um, like you've mentioned, uh, we are following the uh, daughter of Corey and Topanga. It's Rowan Blanchard playing Riley Matthews. Sabrina Carpenter is her best friend, Maya Hart. And then we have Ben Savage and Danielle Fischel as Corey and Topanga. Peyton Meyer is the good looking boy. It's Lucas Fryer. Um, August Maturo is Augie Matthews, who is the little annoying toddler boy um and then we have cory fogelmanis as farkle minkus and then uh we have some legacy characters from boy meets world like Ryder strong and wilford ellis sean and eric um that's a good core sense there are some characters that we get near the end of the uh series of episodes that we watch that were clearly introduced later that uh, i just didn't include here because they don't come up very much um these are most of who we're dealing with most of the time and um it's it's weird. I don't know what the best way to do this is because somebody is going to have to be the first person to explain how they felt about Girl Meets World in these episodes. And I don't know if it should be me or if it should be you guys. I think it should I think it should maybe be you guys. I feel like you have way more stakes here than I do. So, uh I'm just going to I'm just going to do open floor. Whoever wants to go first, uh take your pick. Um what did you guys think about revisiting slash visiting for the first time girl meets world bean <laughs> uh so i mean i like i definitely really liked how they kept the uh Corey and sean dynamic and they kept that running like you know they're still you know the best friends in that in home for the holidays there he pulls out the the ornament and puts it right in front of their wedding ornament and like like that's very much that's very reminiscent of their relationship i'd say pre-season seven yeah um and then there's the couple bits where they're like both sleeping on the couch and Corey's yipping and which uh that that part's a that's 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 a good little throwback right there i did really actually enjoy um girl girl meets gravity probably my more favorite of the seven episodes that we watched probably my most favorite actually um because it did have that boy meets world feeling to it um right yeah well what what, what do you think that was what what about that episode gotcha i mean there's the tension between maya and her mother very reminiscent of the um of sean and his father um, they even mentioned, I think they mentioned that at the start of the episode or midway through the episode, um, when, you know, they hire on her mother, or I think they might've mentioned that in home for the holidays, kind of all just becoming a blur at this point. Um, there's that, there's the, um, 
there's the passing of, you know, the character that clearly means a lot to the family. Um, very tertiary character in the grand scheme of things, but yeah, um, she she definitely killed herself, right, guys? Um, hang on, really (laughs) quick. The reveal that the weird green screen lesson of the week thematic explanation that Riley is doing is at the funeral itself is one of the funniest things I've ever seen in my life. It's so, so, so funny and so fucking weirdly handled that it just fades to like a black wall. And cause she's looking around as if she's talking to a group and I'm like, who is she supposed to be saying this to? And then she's like giving a eulogy that is somehow about herself and not the person. Oh, that's really good. That was really funny. I just wanted to make sure we got that in there. Cause Holy shit. I don't know if that felt fine for you guys, but I laughed really hard. See, I, I found those transitions in, in that up in that episode really uh, trying to think of the term i thought it was kind of invasive if you're looking for something like that because invasive and forced yeah and it's standing in to like explain a very easy to understand theme in really plain language like over and over again um so i thought i definitely thought it didn't need to be there um, I find it interesting that I think that was the only episode that really had that. So maybe that's something they abandoned doing. And then yeah, they, yeah, it, it was just that. And then they tried like, and then they basically recapped the whole thing again. Yeah. At the funeral, like, man, it's just it, not it right. Was, it was it was definitely um, uh, an idea that seemed like it was. Um, they had to write themselves out of a corner. Like they thought, how cool would it be if with the premiere, if we have Riley talking to the fourth wall about these really grandiose ideas. Um, but then we need, we need a reason for it to be happening. So we need to, we need to bring back this character from early season one. Um, uh, as a note to you guys, Mrs. Svortsky, she's in one episode in early season one. So they bring her back just in this one so that they can kill her off. And, uh, <laughs> I think give the episode um, a, a kind of a great sense of purpose and um, of a, a kind of a, a reiteration of um, the message of the pilot and also a lot of criticism of the first season was that these kids were really, really self-absorbed and they're always talking in class and um they're they're always making everything about themselves and so i think this was the show's way of dealing with that at the beginning of their first season Mm -hmm. second season rather yeah no that makes sense um but yeah be no yeah keep going if the if there's anything you want to highlight from like other uh episodes that we got to a bit later um i mean there's one one note that i have from pluto um it's when like, I don't know if uh, Sean and Maya's mom had met in an- another episode prior, but there was just this... Uh, it was as they were walking out of the uh, cafe together, bakery. I think it's a bakery, isn't it? Yeah. But, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's as they were walking out of the bakery, I noticed... Um, <laughs> I don't know if this is, like, intentional, but Sean definitely glances back at Maya's mom and it a hundred percent looked like he checked her out. Mm. Yeah, it must have been. 
I think yeah, I think that was I think that was planting the seeds. I think I think um, Katie and Sean was there was their game plan from from the very beginning. I don't know if they intended to do it as quick as it happened um, because what I showed you guys um, it does follow through the Sean story arc pretty. I would say comprehensively, Ryder Strong wasn't in every episode of the show. Um, he was probably only in two, two more than what I showed you guys. And so um, every time he showed up, stuff had to get moving. And yeah. so, uh, and I was so ab- I was, I was absolutely that. keeping count of how many times Ryder Strong showed up because obviously, yeah, we've talked about him yeah. enough that I was like, Liam's definitely picking the ones where Ryder Strong shows up. Yeah, so I would say I would say being that they definitely they had that in mind and um, that's what they were going for that early. I don't know if it's the first one they met. I, I think I think it is, um, and I think we just missed an episode where they probably yeah. just do do a bit more talking before they get married. For, for what it's worth, I do okay. I do have a note that says I feel like maybe I'm missing something, but the uh, Maya Sean and by extension the Katie Sean thing moves quickly, and I can't totally read it or what his importance is. <laughs> Um, because they also obviously set up that, um, and to some degree, Maya has some sort of bad home life, which ends up just being, not just being, I don't want to minimize it, but like that her dad had left, but it's hard to get a read on that at first, but then they're very heavy handed with like Sean being at a point in his life where like the people around him thinks, think he should be trying to have more and he wants to have more. And like all of those things coalesce in a weird way. If you don't have all the information, it's just like, what are we, what's happening? Why is this going so quickly? Yeah. Uh, another thing that you wouldn't have really picked up on too is Maya is literally just a female version of Sean. I mean, they do, like, they do drive that home when they do that episode that just compares the two of them to Sean and Corey. So like, I was kind of getting that impression cause they were, they were trying to make that clear, but I'm sure that there are smaller ways in which that's true too. Yeah, I mean, like, there's the bad home life. Um, sh- you know, Sean's dad was an alcoholic. His, I think his mom passed away, or she... No, I think she skipped town um, when he was young. Um, and then Sean's dad passed away, and... Yeah, there's, like, this... Th- there's, a, there's a lot that happens there. Mm-hmm. Um, he's, he's raised up as, like... I don't want to say he's trailer trash, but like that's basically how in a few couple episodes they try and explain how he was raised up as to become trailer trash. Okay. Yeah, and he and he spends so much of his time with Corey and with the Matthews family because that's sort of his escape. They're his. If if they're not his family, then he doesn't really have one. So I think that's what Maya is doing here too. That's why she's always around and why her and Riley are besties. Because if they're not together, then she doesn't really have much else. Yeah, I do find it weird that they frame it as though her mom is doing like something wrong, and then it just sort of comes up that she just had to work a lot. And it's like, yeah, man, apartments in New York are probably expensive, and she's a single parent. She's probably going to have to work a lot. I get that that sucks, but I feel like they set it up as being a lot darker than that and then it's not it's not really anything and then the mom becomes kind of a relevant character <laughs> i just thought it was weird yeah, and but I, I think i think that's probably a, a representation of the disney life is that they 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 were going for the sean thing but um, it, it can't be too they dark can't, they can't they can't have her mom her mom be an alcoholic um 
who's constantly leaving the kid to eat for himself while he's out while she's out gambling and drinking you know and uh when she shows up on screen she can't be as tough um and hardened as sean's dad was she she kind of needs to be a pleasant adult character and she is and so um it, it it's just i think you're right Corey, that the uh the <laughs> the effect doesn't really seem to align with the cause in this case. They, they were trying to go for Boy Meets World, but they couldn't really do it as hard as they wanted to. Yeah, um, that's... I, I feel like that's probably something that they came up against a lot. Um, or maybe not even came up against. Maybe it's just sort of that's what they were trying to do, and it went that way. Um, it's hard to know uh, because there's a fine line between, like, um, you know it being a Disney show and wanting to pin stuff on Disney, but also just like the, the landscape for shows like that was different than when boy meets world came out. So it's hard to know how much of it is like a conscious choice and how much of it is they weren't allowed to do something. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I'm not sure either. Um, I, I know for a fact that the creator of this show is, he stands behind it and he's proud of what he did. Um, and uh, he he's not giving interviews five years after the show has been canceled saying that they made me cut this and I had to concede here. Um, I, I think that uh, a lot of it had to just be the landscape changed and and uh, also that the creators um, their their thoughts about what they did and their creative process has to change because, Boy Meets World has now been iconic for 15 years by the show by the time this show came out and it had been started 7 years earlier than that and it's it's this thing thing that we see all the time with uh sequels that come out long after the original is that when even when you get the same creative team on board if if when you're trying to do the same thing that you did once a lot of times uh your either your sensibilities have changed and so it doesn't come across the same way or you're just not able to redo what you did before because um uh the landscape has changed or you uh you used up all the uh the good ideas you had you know there's all sorts of factors that could go into it that really make a show like this and um and a movie like that sort of thing um really really tough to do and so this show wasn't wasn't an easy task at all which is why i felt it fair to watch it front to back because this really is there's a there's a whole lot riding on it being i'm curious um by the time you finished all the episodes what was your what was your general feeling was it that um i'll make this a multiple choice question for you i guess was it that (laughs) hey you were happy to see these boy meet the world characters again and that was pleasant was it b that you didn't like what they did with the boy meet the world characters was it c you liked spending time with the new girl meets world characters and you thought that that those characters made for a pleasant show or was it, was d, it d all of the above <laughs> was it d that uh the girl meets world characters didn't work for you um and you didn't like the boy meets world characters or was it e yeah that's the next letter for sure yeah or was it e other 
Why, um, wait, why make it multiple choice if you're going to give him other? <laughs> Just ask him you how he felt. All, you, see, you see it all the time on multiple choice. Tests and quizzes and surveys. But those I don't know, of... it's just the way it goes. Okay, whatever. Go ahead, Bean. I, I, I definitely I liked what they did with the Boy Meets World characters and how they inserted them, and then there were callbacks like um, like in Goodbye there, um, they had the double Morgan thing that was which I didn't understand at fucking all. <laughs> <laughs> um. So long story short, uh, so. They had a Morgan for season one, no Morgan for season two, and then the Morgan for season three was a completely different person. Oh, okay, that's a funny bit. Yeah. So, like, as Ryder Strong is walking back there, and he's like, Morgan? Morgan? It was... Yeah. yeah. I, I, I loved that joke, too. I I, yeah. uh, I think it rides a perfect line being uh, meta, um, not being too intrusive and also just being really funny. I think absurdist humor like that is funny. You can't really tell if the characters know that there's two people there or if they're just treating them as like one character and it's just, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense, but um, it it's it's just, uh, it's funny and it doesn't mean a whole lot. And so yeah, I, I like that too. Yeah, but so in terms of what, and you might've been getting to this, so sorry if I'm cutting in, but in terms of like what was being brought to the table that was new, like how did you feel about that? Because I feel like um, we, we've kind of avoided talking about the new stuff. It feels like. Yeah, um, I I liked it, but like I I feel like after watching these seven, seven episodes, I feel like I should actually go back and give the whole show a legitimate shot. Um, but I don't. I feel like they. I feel like they should have done a different, like, I love the Riley Maya relationship. Don't get me wrong, but it would have been nice to see them done in a different character portrayal. Not basically you have new Corey and new Sean. Right. I think that's totally fair. Um, it, it would have been nice to see, you know, a new characterization bought up. Um, yeah. There's no good reason uh, why yeah, no I'm one's goth. <laughs> I think we we get a we get a goth episode with Riley. I'm almost certain. Um, yeah, Bean, I I'm with you. I, I think the reason that um they started the show as sort of a Boy Meets World clone was because they didn't know how much Boy Meets World material they were going to be able to do. They didn't know how many cast members were going to come back because. When Girl Meets World was announced, Ryder Strong said that he wasn't going to have anything to do with it. He said it has. He said the show has his blessing and it's cool, but he wants it to be his own thing. Um, he wasn't really acting much at that point either. And so the reason we only get one episode from season one, as I was trying to do this Boy Meets World thing, is that um, they had to lay down the framework um, in season one that it was just a regular sitcom for the most part and then with that show established it, it was easier then to get actors on board i think and so they made riley and maya Corey and sean because they might have thought this is this is our best chance of doing boy meets world again if we're not gonna be able to get all those characters back and i think where um riley and maya get a bit where, where the show gets a bit confused is in those later seasons and 
uh, basic in most of the episodes we watched because they're from the latter half of the show. The show gets a bit confused because now you just have Corey and Sean competing with Riley and Maya. And it's like these two legacies of this show that's competing when you haven't actually given Girl Meets World much of a chance to breathe on its own. Because yeah. e- even that first season, um, there's there's a, you get the strong inkling that they want to do more with Boy Meets World than they're being allowed and that they're um, trying really hard to comment on. They, they really know that their audience is familiar with Boy Meets World. And so they keep calling back to that as best they can and then get so excited when they can get these other cast members in. And so um, you, you get this sort of butting heads. And I think the show would have had a greater chance to uh, feel less conflicted and be able to juggle those those balls a bit easier if Riley and Maya had been um, a bit different. I don't, I don't know how yeah. they would have done that. I, I understand why they did what they did, but I think that's why the show gets a, a bit confusing um, and kind of feels like it's running around in circles in uh, some of these last few episodes that we watched. It's how I felt. Yeah, it makes me wish that the Girl Meets Cory and Topanga episode was a bit more self-aware as to what the actual problem was. Because I think on a character level, somebody that age is more likely to, in real life, um, sort of be scared or frustrated by expectations or feel like they're not living up to something. And I get why, because Riley is your main character here, that it's going to be about her parents. But I do feel like there it was a missed opportunity, despite the fact that they're literally doing flashbacks with the girls digitally added in, um, that it, it's not aware enough of the fact that the show also has that problem. Like, it's acting like the character has that problem with her parents, but it's like, Girl Meets World has that problem with Boy Meets World. Um, It's trying to live up to expectations or include things that maybe um, you don't need to be there, and that it can be a mix of things that set you apart as a unique thing that's your own. And um, I feel like there there could have been more there to sort of try to grapple with that, because I feel like the show doesn't make a meaningful effort to to deal with the fact that... uh, it does really have a crisis beyond what a character that is a stand-in for what the audience might be feeling at that age is feeling. Um, Because especially with how much Boy Meets World we get, it does feel overbearing to the point where um, Girl Meets World as a concept isn't being given enough space to do anything. One of my bigger frustration points is that it feels like the girls aren't given a lot to do. And I think there's a couple reasons for that. I think one, in a lot of cases, the show sort of gets caught in a loop of dealing with like the lesson of the week or the theme of the week. And it's funny because earlier you had mentioned that they usually do a good job of illustrating that visually or not beating you over the head with it. Whereas here, I think the show can't help, but really, really, really nail down like what a given episode is about and what you're supposed to take away from it. I feel like the writing doesn't leave a lot of room for like nuance or the audience to figure something out. I think uh, the, um, the episode where Riley is literally breaking the fourth wall is maybe the worst example of that. But a lot of it comes from the adult characters, especially Corey, I find because he's like the teacher figure too, um, is given a lot to just sort of explain what a given thing is about. And then there'll be some talking about it between Riley and Maya or between Riley and whoever, maybe even the adult characters. 
and then there's some kind of resolution but i feel like there's not enough happening outside the boundaries of either the apartment or the school or like um things that aren't directly related to whatever a given episode is about to give those girls and their friends enough space to become like fully fleshed out characters or not just there to compete for space with the stuff from boy meets world uh i also find it odd that you also pointed out that the show can be really funny um i do think that girl meets world has some moments of really really funny shit but part of the sort of drake and josh and iCarlyification of like the kid sitcom space um is being really loud like we talked about and really sort of zany is the word that i kind of come down on like when you think about like uh the iCarly like vlog filming stuff or like light up socks and shrieking or just Drake and Josh being very loud, boisterous boys. Um, you sort of set that framework weirdly here. A lot of that responsibility is given to the adult boy meets world characters as well. Um, I think Corey is given a lot of the dumb yelling idiot humor. I think Eric is given a lot of the dumb yelling idiot humor. Uh, Topanga is basically just mom, but it's weird because there still isn't enough of that kind of bit to make the, like, I wouldn't describe the show as being zany, but I feel like when there's a funny bit that they're trying to do, even if the bit doesn't land, like they're not giving it to the girls. Like they get one liners and stuff. And I think some of those are good, but it feels like a lot of the stuff that isn't immediately related to boy meets world isn't fleshed out in an interesting way. Um, and it, it does lead to that identity crisis where it feels like the show doesn't know what to do. And then the only stuff that it is doing, there's the A plot and the B plot. And, um, they're both just related to whatever lesson we're doing this week. Um, I think I was talking to Keiki about it and he described that as like the, it being like a power Rangers episode where they're just like, here's what this one's about. Here's what the next one's about. Um, I almost want less of a focus on teaching morals, And I want the Boy Meets World stuff to take a step back and give like our lead characters some room and like to see more of them doing a wider variety of things. And I'm sure those episodes exist and I get that it would be difficult to show me those when giving me just like a slice, but I'm willing to bet there's not enough of that in a way that isn't heavy handed to really solve the problems that I felt stuck out. I also think a smaller part of it is that it feels like it's aiming for a little bit too young an audience. I feel like if you also bumped up what demographic it was aiming for, you could circumvent a bit of those issues, but yeah, it, it, it feels like boy meets world, like couldn't give this show room to breathe. And then part of that was dealing with the characters literally being there. And part of it was just that the writing was not up to par to let that happen. Right. I, I feel yeah, like I just I th- went I very think, long. Sorry about that. <laughs> no, all that is totally fair. That was really, uh, it was, it was really cool to hear you say that stuff as someone that's unfamiliar with Boy Meets World and uh, seeing Girl Meets World for the first time. Because, man, did I agree with almost everything you said um, mm. when it comes to Girl Meets World. I'm, I'm right there with you. Um, and I'll, I'll concede that because of the, the crop of episodes I picked. Um, you're right, we're not going to see as much of the girls as the show does have to offer because those episodes do exist. But the fact of the matter is that um, 
these episodes of the show exist as well, and these aren't the only ones of its kind. And so the show um, really it it didn't it didn't seem to want to have it both ways, or at least it wasn't able to combine both those aspects into one. It's it's a difficult thing to do, um, and so what I'll ask you guys about that I think might help us out a bit in terms of um, trying to figure out how Girl Meets World uh, is when given the chance to be separate from Boy Meets World is one of the episodes we watched here that does have Boy Meets World characters in it, but I think it, I think it uh, is, has the best, the most opportunity um, to center on the girls and show what the show can do when it's trying to do um, both. And that would be the fourth episode we watched, which is called Girl Meets Semi-Formal. It's the best one, one, baby. That one was all about uh, Riley um, struggling with who she's going to go to the semi-formal dance with. Is it Lucas, the, the, the main boy who is in a whole lot of the episodes, or is it Charlie, this new character? Um, who also wants to go with her. And then we have a Boy Meets World character introduced here named Jack, Corey. And Jack is not only Eric's uh, old best friend and dorm mate and competitor and- for this girl named Rachel, who they were with um, and, and living with, but also it's uh, it's Sean's half-brother, which is never mentioned in this episode. And Sean's yeah, not in I the episode. They never mentioned that. I, I was I was expecting the the bomb to drop at some point, but then it just never yeah. came up. I got, so I gotta say, I I have written down in my notes. Um, I labeled Girl Meets Semi Formal the good one, and that's despite the fact that the B plot with Eric and Jack is atrociously bad. Um the A plot is still good enough to elevate it. And I think there's a couple reasons for that. Um, but first really quick, I do have to ask really quick, because obviously this is something I'm missing from boy meets world. Why does Eric have like his brain short circuits and he just says some shit and then he like goes back to normal. What is that? What is that supposed to be? I don't know. Like he just goes like, well, uh, da, 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 and he just like says a bunch of shit, and he goes, "Okay." Yeah, I, I, I I think that's got to do with the whole Mister Squirrel thing. Like, because I get that he's set up as this like uh, idiot savant, or he's like not smart, but he's like empathetic and charismatic and is good with people. Um, Kiki and I talked a bit about that yesterday too, because I just I wanted to get some of this out there, but. Um, like, I can read to the character, and I can get past some of the dumb shit, but God, that was so annoying. And also, this show's attempt at political commentary, uh, while funny for how straightforward it was about, like, someone from an evil corporation is going to try to buy my vote. Um, holy shit, it was annoying and not interesting. But that episode is so much better than a lot of the other stuff that we get for a couple of reasons, I think. I think one... Um, it's dealing with a pretty universal experience, like just anxiety around dances and dates and dumb shit like that. Like when you're younger, that really matters to you. Um, in a lot of cases, um, it can't really be heavy handed about it because they, they finally just put the ball in Riley's court for once. And they're like, you're going to have to figure this one out for yourself. And 
you know, there's a few different ways you can go about it. You you are going to experience growth by whatever decision you make instead of just telling us to our faces what the answer to the lesson of the week is. And this episode has actual jokes. And I feel like that was much needed. That old timey etiquette video is genuinely hilarious. And then Maya keeping up that voice but refusing to explain why is really funny. Um, the idea that some of the guests at that dance are going to be polio, typhoid, and the devil is a really good bit. And um, I feel like that episode is sort of indicative of simultaneously the best and worst of Girl Meets World because it shows what happens when you give the girls space to do their own thing for the most part. Um, like the ball is finally in Riley's court for once and she is tasked with making a choice and not being told what the lesson is. Uh, but at the same time, the B plot has like every problem with the boy meets world characters being overbearing and overwritten bad humor and like nonsensical bullshit. So it really kind of threads the needle in a weird way, but the main stuff is really, really good. It's the best I think we got in the whole seven episodes. Yeah. Um, I, I picked that one because in my memory, it was the best episode. I thought that the, the, stuff with the younger characters was really great um and i remembered that the tie-in with um the older characters was really good too that was that was my memory and and coming back to it this time i i think uh i feel pretty much the same way i'm with you that i found eric my favorite character from boy meets world super super annoying um nice one copper and uh and and what and what you get um, here, Corey, with the short circuiting thing, it's not. It can't be chalked up to a specific uh, part of one. It's not. It's not like a funny callback. callback. It is just what they've done is they've decided to use the Eric from season seven that he developed into. He's a character that got super. I think the kids call it flanderized, which is that uh, you exaggerate a popular trait of a character because it's getting you laughs and, and people like it and so you it eventually envelops the whole character right and eric was sort of the uh not the brightest um uh intellectual dude but he had a he had a really good heart and um and by the seventh season of boy meets world he just gets so wacky he's uh like basically like like he idiot savant is the way to put it. Like yeah. he has uh, like a mental deficiency and, and that comes from season seven and they decided to use that character here because I think they just, um, they like, <laughs> I think Will Friedle likes playing it and they like yeah. writing it. Seems fun. It's like funny. Yeah. So, so they just, they did that again. Um, so that's where that comes from. And while I don't find Eric funny, um, I liked seeing where Jack was nowadays, and I liked that um, they seem to follow him through to a pretty natural place, which is that he hasn't talked to Eric in a long time, despite that they've been best friends for so long, and he sort of became the bad guy. He uh, went to work at a corporation that's killing the planet, um, and, uh, and that doesn't make him an evil person. All of them, am I right? It, it just means that's where he ended up and so i don't i i didn't get anything big from um 
the the little political back and forth, but I liked seeing Jack again, and I then like the way that he goes to the dance with Eric. Hated that. And what gives the fuck? A little, and uh, <laughs> and I like gives sorry gives a little bit of a it, yeah. Thanks, man. <laughs> sorry, I I, I, I I know. I just yeah. I didn't I didn't mean to do it. I just thought it was so weird that it's like, why are these grown men at this school dance? Well, that's what he says right when he walks in. Um, yeah, but just because uh, you're aware of it doesn't make it any less weird. <laughs> yeah, well, I, I like the advice yeah. that, he, uh, that he gave to Riley. I thought that was sweet. So I thought this was a good episode. Yeah, um, it definitely is, I think, the best of what we saw. I also think because um, it, it gives the, the Riley and Maya dynamic a bit more to do. I feel like we get a better, san- a better sense, uh, not a better sense, um, uh, of what these characters are like. I think it works really well um having Maya be like the straight man here almost in a way because um Riley is sort of the more anxious kind of like um innocent but stressed out one and uh Maya's kind of grounding her a bit with like yo just wait like he'll ask if he doesn't ask in 10 months then you have a problem and if he doesn't ask in five months then you have a problem and then sort of playing up the bit of like oh boy now we're really in a pickle um i thought that that was fun i do think that in other episodes they they play really well off each other and like the friendship's totally believable and there are some fun bits and i think they do get some of the more serious emotions off well too like obviously the wedding is a big emotional high point for the show but um i think here is like the dynamic is most easily re- readable. And I think it also works because um, Maya is not really coming to her rescue either. Um, she just gets advice and has to make a call, um, which I think is a lot more than she's ever given to do with a lot of the, the struggles that she's facing. A lot of it seems a lot more cut and dry than that. Um, so I think this episode does does better for having that in it. What did you think about that one, Bean? Do you remember feeling any sort of way about the semi-formal episode? Um, I mean, the guitarist from Shepard was super cool. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I forgot about that sequence. Shepard, yes. <laughs> um, <laughs> like, it was, it was a good episode. Don't get me wrong. Um, yeah, I, I really wasn't a fan of the political aspect that that ep- episode took. Um, like especially when they like even with the comedy that they tried to do of like the polar bears being in new york like (laughs) driving cabs the episode itself and you know them having the them leaving riley so we actually get to see character development i did like that like because maya was just basically the narrator for everything that was happening she was she wasn't doing very much through that episode it was it was very much like uh, it was focused on riley a lot more again like a lot more like how boy meets world was where it was focused around Corey. yeah like it definitely wasn't my favorite of the seven my favorite of the seven was 100 percent gravity um but semi-formal, it, 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 it's a close second. Nice. Yeah, yeah, it is. Uh, it, it's, it's, it was cool to see Riley on her own for a little while there. And I think 
um, it just it, it provided enough space for some gags to happen, like the consent video, consent video that uh, um, Corey mentioned. The the it's the old so video funny. About. It has no business yeah, there, being there was, as funny as it is. There was, there was just room for that, right? Whereas the other ones didn't really have room for an extended sequence like that, and so I th- I thought that was good too. Are there any? particular jokes from any of the episodes or sequences or is just the humor in general um what landed for you guys and what didn't work what was your takeaway as to how this show deals with the comedy aspect uh well i barely remember most of it in terms of the humor i think a lot of it's just kind of annoying um mostly because there's not a lot of like setup punchline it's a lot of like one linery kind of stuff but I also think that it's sort of like what I mentioned earlier, that a lot of it's given to the adult characters, um, which I found kind of strange. It's another way that they're not giving the new the new crop of kids anything to do. Um, but even then, with a lot of it relying kind of on like one-liner bits, um, there's really only so much you can do with that. And I found that a lot of it got kind of um, unremarkable or kind of like grating. The only standout hilarious stuff to me is from the semi-formal episode uh and maybe that's also just doing a bit that i think is funny occasionally there are lines like do not let your sheep riding disappointment keep you from dreaming which is funny just because that's a hilarious series of words like that's gonna be that's gonna be funny no matter when you say it um but and and the follow-on to that where um he's like talking about his uh science lifetime science fair achievement oh, award yeah. and she's like she tossed in <laughs> don't do science like, dream yeah um i will say when before the etiquette video farkle and maya just get up and do like a dramatic representation where he asks and she just says no and they just bow and say thank you and he says come back like at christmas time for our a christmas no play and i'm like that's a good bit um but a lot of the rest of it I don't know. They did a Terminator joke, I guess, but it wasn't really funny. It was just there. Um, more of a Shermanator joke. More of a Shermanator joke, for sure. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, not really. Um, so, some of the more, like, I, I, I think the only other, like, big thing that sticks out for me is... Um, when they give Maya that time to like work through her feelings about the wedding when she just can't sleep and drags her sleeping friend to the window where all the serious conversations happen. And she just gets to sort of like vent to herself basically. Cause I feel like that was a nice, like they don't give themselves a lot of moments to get like serious on like an individual character level either. So that sticks out. Um, that episode also has some bitchin' like fantasy ass wedding music. Uh, with some pan flutes and shit, but um, yeah, a lot of the humor doesn't land really. There's not a lot of jokes, like straight jokes. It's a lot of like one-linery stuff. I guess I said that, but yeah, no. It I would have liked more, um, like structured bits. Yeah. What about you, Bean? Um, there was one that really stood out to me. I I, I wrote a note about it too. Um, it was in Goodbye at the like the start. They're talking about Carrie Ableton and oh, how like yeah. she moved across the street and they stopped hanging out. Um, and she's and like, yeah, 
it felt like they were talking about in the first season of Boy Meets World. Sorry, I'm going back there a lot. I realize that. Um, but it, it felt a lot like that in the sense of there's friends that Corey has in season one that are in like two episodes and then you never see them again. Yeah, yeah, and it's kind of just, that's sort of a sitcom, that's the sitcom way, right? Like, it's so hard to juggle things and uh, keep things consistent, and so you'll have a friend for a few episodes, and, and then they'll be gone, and you never see them again, or or you'll have a bully that's significant for an episode that's in their class, and you never see them again, and so, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, it's super funny to comment on stuff like that. And, like, I mean, I know what they were doing for season one of boy meets world there was they were testing out the grounds on you know who's going to be the recurring friend um but then like to have carrie appear (laughs) and find out that she was in their class the whole time as well that was a good little payoff that yeah that is good it's very um season five when they when they see minkus again for the first time since season one or uh when they yell down the hall uh hey mr turner wait up right oh so yeah disappear. yeah yeah that, that was good any any other jokes that stuck out to you um i mean there was the double morgan joke um yeah. i i mean i i love how riley and maya the the okay you did like that oh i love that man nice so what is it you like about that is it just hearing it again or uh do you think they did it well or is it like what it means for the show like or you know Um, where does that come i think all all the above to that really um you know like it it stems from the relationship that eric and feeny had to had together obviously um and you know like they're kind of carrying on that legacy i guess um i i definitely think they they did the bit well wasn't a huge fan of them doing it at the same time but um did, did that mean anything to you, Corey? Do you, do you remember what we're talking about here? Um, I had heard it before. I knew it was from Boy Meets oh. World. That was about Interesting. it. Interesting. Cool. Yeah. I mean, I wasn't like, I didn't know anything about Boy Meets World, but that doesn't mean I was like wholly unaware of its existence. Um, so I knew like vaguely a couple things that happens to be one of them. But I also, yeah, I, I, I also did. didn't I did. think it was funny. Right. But yeah. I knew what it was. <laughs> Like, you... like, I didn't know why they were doing it. And I don't know why they do it in the original show, but I knew what it was. Yeah, in the in the original show, um, the Feeny call is something that Eric does to get Feeny's attention and it develops. And so that one that they replicated that they replicated comes from that might be the fourth or fifth Feeny call, whereas it starts by Eric just like yelling at Feeny's backyard going, Feeny! And then he gets every time he does it, he gets a, a bit wilder. And so, um, and so Feeny does live uh, across from their old house. Just to be clear, that's like, did you? There was the episode with the time capsule. Yeah, I feel like it's weird yes. that they didn't the draw fence, attention to that. They have it. They had a shared fence, right? Yes. Yeah. So 
So that is weird that Corey didn't say, hey, look, uh, five steps from here. That's where I spent half my life. Yeah, they draw yeah. absolutely no attention to it whatsoever. Yeah, they could they could only pay for the one set. And I guess uh, uh, dialogue costs money, too. And they couldn't. And <laughs> they couldn't Disney's not going to cough it up because they knew they were canceling the show in a season. Yeah, did, did you know that that was Feeney's backyard? Was that evident, Corey? Uh, when Feeney walked out of the house. Right. Because okay. I have no reason to I have no reason to assume as an uneducated viewer why they would have buried it in Feeney's backyard. So I assumed it was some sort of childhood backyard. And while I'm not totally wrong, um, it is weird that they buried it in their principal's slash teacher's backyard. Yeah, and, and that wasn't um that wasn't uh from an older episode, there was no burying a time capsule in an older episode, but all the items that they pull out were references okay. to the show. It's just the time capsule itself was unique to, to this episode. Okay. Um, I guess I somewhat actually thought it was funny. It was a bit annoying, but it was a bit funny that uh, not only does he go to a hardware store to buy a shovel, he buys like six <laughs> shovels and a sweater that says shovel, and all he can say is the <laughs> word shovel. Thank you, Corey. But to me, that oh was the best God. joke of all. Every episode oh. we watch is just they've got that, they've got the more sweaters, and it's like I bet they do. <laughs> it's just like um, that's kind of the character that Corey develops into too. In in the last few seasons, where he's just like he's just goofy and random um, at at times, but then lol, the time, so random. He's just your average dude. And so the fact that he has a shirt that just says shovel on it, and then you see at the wall that he, he bought like five shovels. And a rack. And a rack. <laughs> I think that that's, oh. that's just one of those little things that's just so funny. Yeah. Um, you know, it, it, I, I, I feel like I don't know how to like tie a bow on this, you know, like, cause we've spent, we've, I think between the three of us explained a lot of different elements of this show in a lot of different ways. And I guess the catch is that it does feel like it, it it's the identity crisis that feels like the most notable thing about it. Like it doesn't coalesce. Like there are bits where it's like, that's a good representation of Corey or like Riley's being given space or we're bringing back a bunch of the old people for this episode or we're doing Maya's emotional moment or this and that. But rarely do you get an episode that has like all of those things in it at once. So it does feel like it's sort of fighting with itself over what it's ultimately going to look like. And it's got to fit in how like the sitcom landscape has changed, how the format is sort of beholden to popular things that came before it and wanting to incorporate a lot of the original show. It just feels like there's so much there that it doesn't always know what to do. I guess is like my biggest takeaway from it all. Um, yeah, I think... There's so much there that they don't know what to do. I think that's a really good way to put it. Because um, I think I think they would be crazy to not do this show. Um, the right. fact that they had the, the few actors that were willing, they were all still alive, willing to act 15 years later. The show had become so memorable, and there was an audience that wanted this show. Um, there were kids that would watch it for the younger characters and for those younger storylines. And I believe that there, there was an audience there. There's There's... Um, I, I would look into it as this show was airing because I was curious how many people were watching this for Boy Meets World and, and how many kids were watching it for Girl Meets World. And I heard from a lot of people that said that they have, you know, kids or nephews or something that 
um, really, really love the the younger characters and haven't seen Boy Meets World before. Um, you know, the show did get canceled after its third season, so it wasn't an iCarly, but also most shows aren't, you know, I think a lot of shows on Disney get canceled after that, that amount of time. So, um it would be crazy not to do the show again. So it's 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 no wonder it exists and it doesn't hamper Boy Meets World for me. But um, and it's not doomed from the start. But man, is it a difficult task to do this show? Mm-hmm. And uh, and I just think that it's it's just a case of like sophomore slump and a case of uh, kind of having the cards stacked against you because when Boy Meets World came out, they had. One, uh, sitcoms could last way longer because it was just the sitcom age. So they had a lot of time to figure out um, who these characters were, what kind of humor the show had, what stories they wanted to tell. You know, I say that this show wasn't at its peak until season four. Um, and there's, and that's not a case of you need to suffer through the first three seasons and then get to the good stuff. I think I, I love the uh, every season of that show, really. Um but the show had time to find itself. Topanga becomes a different character. Oh, really uh, quick. Sean becomes a very... Yeah. We've barely talked about Topanga. It's because, oh my fucking God, she's given nothing. Just nothing. Like, the just nothing at all. Just like, oh, we needed a mom. So she's a mom now. And they have that one allusion to the fact that she's got this, like, career in social justice to some extent. But also, I guess, runs that bakery. And wow, she's given nothing to do. Holy shit. <laughs> yeah. And, and to my recollection, that is most of, like, that is the entire series. They, did, they didn't know what to do with her. Corey has the luxury of uh, being the teacher, but um, Topanga really doesn't care Who gets to teach lot. lessons that have nothing to do with the topic at hand and revolve around the only four people in the classroom that are allowed to talk. And also revolves around the exact same lesson plan, which is Belgium. Yeah. And yeah. he's also, <laughs> was, I don't know how a, hi- I don't know how a history teacher is supposed to grade Lucas teaching Farkle to do sports better, but yeah. Um, yes. Um, there, so the, the Corey thing, you go Corey. Oh, I was just say there is a funny line in that first episode about that, where Corey and Sean talk about having a show and they're like Corey and Sean in the big city and nobody talks but them, which is yeah, basically what this show is. And the whole second episode is all about that girl meets gravity. Yeah. Um, that is about Riley talking about how uh, they, they go into, they're the only ones that talk. They're the center of the universe. They go into a class and the teacher is new and uh, she's not having let it. them talk. And, but then they, they don't have it and the status quo gets reverted back to and, um, and we're in a class where Corey lets them talk again. And, uh, that's not quite the way it was in Boy Meets World. And I think what my problem comes down to with this show, because, again, I've seen every episode, all three seasons, um, and I don't I don't despise it, but I do think it was a, a big miss, even though I'm so glad I got to see these characters again. And I don't wish it away, but I do think it was a miss. And I think that where that came from is that... Um, this show did not have the opportunity to be itself. It Mm, had a huge legacy to live up to. It had 
15 years of it being put into the writers heads um you know like reading online about boy meets world that the show that they they did and the show that people have loved ever since so people are telling them what they love about that show and it's all a lot of it is in hindsight and it's just things that stick out and so people might say hey i loved boy meets world because it told real stories it had alcoholism in it and it had uh breakups and it talked about sex all these things that bean and i have mentioned um and that stuff is notable, but you've got to remember that that is a few episodes in a massive running series. Um, Boy Meets World was not a drama of the week show, and it was not remarkable just because it was willing to tackle deep topics because it didn't go that hard all the time. It wasn't pushing a lesson down your throat every week. It was a magic combination of... Um, casting and this mr feeney character that it works so well he's a godsend for that show um and he's able to sort of guide these kids and eventually lessons come out and these kids learn things but that was never that's not the goal of every episode but at 15 years after boy meets world ended what people are saying is that boy meets world is a show that taught you life lessons and it's a show that dealt with real things and while that might be the takeaway 15 years later that's not all the show was but girl meets world has it in its head that it needs to teach you a lesson um that uh people loved uh these really big uh iconic moments from boy meets world so we need to do them again we need to make ourselves iconic and memorable and we need to have um a wise adult who teaches things to the kids every single week and it's the way my girlfriend described it um and she has seen a lot of boy meets world in reruns she's not a fan of it as i am so it was really good to have her perspective on this show um because she hadn't seen it either so just as someone who casually watched boy meets world um and and didn't study it but also has an intuition about what it's about from just seeing plenty of the episodes she described girl meets world as um a show that is targeted toward the kids who watched Boy Meets World, learned uh, the lessons that Boy Meets World taught, grew up into like really good Christian adults, <laughs> yeah. and then and then they have this show that they want their kids to watch. You know what I mean? Where they yeah. they learn everything they need to know, and so now we need to we need to put like the 99% distilled version of that in right into our kids veins like we we're not gonna, we're not going to show we're not going to show our kids all seven seasons of boy meets world cuz that's long and also it's a bit harder to understand this stuff isn't as in your face but if we put it in girl meets world and it's just all right up in there and we have Hey, the funny. This is a funny moment from Boy Meets World, and, and the parent is there to it. explain why it's funny. Yeah, yeah, and then, um, and and it's it's this idea of taking the greatest hits compilation that I saw when I was a kid that became so much funnier once I watched it in context of the show. I didn't understand a whole lot of those jokes in those greatest hits compilations, and it's like. Girl Meets World took that greatest hits compilation and just jammed it into a show and then tied a bunch of lessons around it because people liked lessons from Boy Meets World. And so it's I think it's just a case of the 
the creative team um, sort of crumpling under the weight of what they remember their show to be because it's been 15 years for them too it's been a whole long time they they can't redo what they did exactly how they did it especially because they don't know how much time they have to do it so they have to hit the ground running and start teaching people things and start having sets that are iconic like the bay window the the girls keep talking about this friggin bay window and it is in so many more episodes right from the beginning of this whole series they're talking about this bay window and it's like you really can't force this stuff. You can't, you're talking about the thing too much instead of showing it. Same goes with the lessons. They talk so much about how they're learning a lesson, but they aren't, they don't seem to be learning from it. And a lot um, of the lesson is just like you know, other people exist or family is important. <laughs> like, that's right. But then, but then you carry on and they Riley have to doesn't learn seem that like she's again, learned anything. Or, yeah. Yeah, or what you said, Corey, where she gives that speech at the funeral where it's like, I learned I'm not the center of the universe. Meanwhile, so you're, talk you're literally at a funeral <laughs> yeah, talking about yourself so, <laughs> to a crowd just, of people congratulating you for doing that. Yeah, so the show um, to me was uh, it wasn't doomed from the start, but also I don't envy the task that they had. And I think it would have been better suited um, uh, at least I don't know better suited. I mean, it's wicked that these kids got to be on a show for three years. Um, yeah. And I don't begrudge any of the time I spent with those three seasons, but also it's a shame that we got three whole seasons of a continuation of boy meets world. And I don't feel like I have a whole lot to show for it. You know, like they, this was their chance to do it. And uh it didn't it didn't turn out great um and that's a bit of a shame but also uh fucking life's tough get a helmet life's tough get a helmet that's why we have the soundboard baby <laughs> um so uh these are kind of my final thoughts why don't you guys each go around and, and say your big takeaways oh i kind of gave mine already i think um <laughs> i think i'm good like I and I agree with a lot of what you said, so I'm not gonna bother rehashing it too much. Um, but yeah, uh, some of it I found the the small moments in which it was good, it was really good. But it spends a lot of the rest of the time not really feeling like it knows what it's trying to do or what it is trying to do is just not what I want or what I'm the demographic for or what I think makes the most sense. What about, what about you, Bean? You mean? <laughs> Weird. Um, I. <sighs> I definitely agree with like a lot of what Liam said there. It it felt like every episode they tried to cram in what um, Boy Meets World did in seven years into twenty minutes. Mm-hmm. And you mentioned about how you know they keep referring back to the bay window and it, oh it's magic and everything like that, but. You know, in again, I'm gonna be making a lot of callbacks to Boy Meets World. Um, I mean, so were they. You know, so you're right on. You're right on the money. That's that's true. Um, you know, in Boy Meets World, there wasn't one specific location where all these lessons happened. A lot of them did happen at the fence, but 
you know, there was the kitchen table. There was, I feel like there was a cafe at some point. Oh, dude, Chubby's. Yeah, Chubby's. (laughs) Gotta hit up Chubby's. There's the school. Um, There was the living room for a lot of those early seasons. And Mm -hmm. even if there was just the fence, which did sort of become the icon in those last few seasons, I think they did away with the uh, interiors of the house and they weren't there all that often. Yeah, I mean, that kind of just evolved with them being off of college and stuff like that, right? Yeah, yeah, of course. And... Um, what I'm getting at is that the show wasn't like, yo, we need to go to the fence. Like the fence is where it goes down. You know what I mean? It's a thing that now in our minds, we're like, yo, that fence was great. And when we go back to the backyard in our, uh, in girl meets Pluto, um, it's nice to see that fence again, but it, you gotta let the audience do the work of tapping into what lessons they can take from the show that are meaningful and what locations they can take from the show that are meaningful. Whereas this show, I think, tries to do a whole lot of the work for you. And that might come back to the Disney life. Uh, I'm not entirely sure, but uh, it, it does feel a, like a bit of a... Um, it's 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 a it's, it's a bit of a shame. I I do think the show was trying to go for a younger demographic, um, but also trying to cater to that older demographic, and I, it doesn't it doesn't quite work. It it really doesn't. The show wasn't given the space that it needed to grow on its own without having, you know, the oh, it's just a spinoff of Boy Meets World. Yeah. It, it to fall back on it never had a, it it was never given an honest chance to do that mm-hmm. it never had its own leg to stand on it was always it was always just it was the plaque in front of the perch right right <laughs> but in in the sense that you know boy meets world would be on the perch it, girl meets world would be the plaque that's like hey this is what the show represents <laughs> right yeah i like that, that analogy you- yeah, I think that's a well. We're all in agreement. I think that um, you know, could be far worse, but it's a bit of a missed opportunity. I love the bow that it's the plaque on the perch provides. So, um, unless anybody's really got something else they want to get there, do you guys want to uh, call that a day on Girl Meets World and hit the road? Let me. Well, let me ask you guys. Now that we're all uh, either Disney Plus members or have access to Disney Plus. <laughs> have access. That's where the show is now, man. That's where the show is. I, I was trying to find the show, right? And uh, I can recall that it was on Prime Video. I remember it got added to Amazon Prime however long ago and I messaged Bean or he messaged me and uh, we were like, yo, Girl Meets World is here now. That's sick that we can watch it um, if we ever decide to. And neither of us got to it apparently, but it's cool. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> and I checked and it wasn't there anymore. And I was like, I guess it got moved to Disney Plus exclusively, um, but I'll double check. So I went on one of those sites that shows you all the places a piece of media is streaming. And it has said Disney Plus. Then right next to it, it said Amazon Prime Video. And I was like, what? And I squinted my eyes real hard. And in the tiniest of letters above Prime Video, it says previously on. And I was, I was like, how does that benefit me? Why do you got to say that? It's Disney Plus now, I guess. And so now that we all have uh, Disney Plus somewhere, or if not Disney Plus, uh, some sort of way to 
watch these episodes. I don't know if you guys bought a disc off a dude in a back alley or something. Um, either way, are you guys going to watch any more episodes of either Girl Meets World and or Boy Meets World? Um, probably not. Uh, at least probably not for Girl Meets World. Um, for Boy Meets World, I don't know. I feel like I very much missed the window where that was going to be important to me. And there's just so many other things that I don't know if I'll ever meaningfully get to it. Um, and I think the same is true for Girl Meets World. There's just too many things that wouldn't bring me back that I don't know if I'm going to honestly make the time. I think maybe because obviously, as you know, right now, anyway, my schedule is kind of wild right now. So I don't know when I have time. So when I suddenly do, I don't know if I'd be like, I need to go watch three episodes of Girl Meets World. But um you know, time will tell. It's not high on my list of priorities or anything, but maybe I'll get an itch for it someday. I don't expect to. What about you, Bean? Uh, I mean, I, I I feel like I also saw the Boy Meets World is on Disney Plus as well because after watching uh Girl Girl Meets Goodbye, it like it was like, hey, you want to watch Boy Meets World? Yes, I saw that too. Um, so I'm thinking what I'm gonna do is probably do like a watch through of Boy Meets World, and then try and give girl meets world a chance and do a watch through of that after the next watch through of boy meets world. Well, Hey, I would do that with you as well. I would, uh, at the very least, I would jump in on girl meets world with you and give that one another shake. I've seen boy meets world so much and it would, uh, I'm definitely going to see it again in my lifetime. Um, uh, but I, after this talk, despite feeling like I think we really gave Girl Meets World a fair shake and having seen every episode, I think what we said about this specific crop of seven episodes does pretty much apply for the rest of the episodes. Mm -hmm. um, I've still, it's still been so many years since I've seen a lot of them. And even though the general consensus might be the same, um, almost certainly will be the same for what I think of the show. And uh, I think what most people think of the show I wouldn't mind giving um, the the newer characters another shot now that I'm not a year out of high school anymore and now that I'm not a year removed from my reverence of Boy Meets World anymore. I would give that another shake. So um, I will update this podcast about My Girl Meets World progression with Bean as we go on. And uh, That's a maybe this will be one of those... Maybe this will be one of those update episodes we do, Corey. Yeah. Corey and I have been talking about maybe putting out episodes down the line where we revisit something that we did on the podcast before. So maybe maybe a year from now, I'm going to come back after having watched every Girl Meets World episode, and I'm going to say, guys, we had it wrong. Yeah, I will <laughs> say, for our next recap episode, I'll watch that, that one Boy Meets World episode because it'll take me 20 minutes. Um, so that's pretty easy to do, but that's probably the most revisiting I'll do. Or visiting, I guess, Next, initial yeah. visiting. <laughs> but uh, I'm, I'm definitely checking that one out again. I just, I just noticed uh, that um, there's a commentary track done by the cast of that Halloween episode that was just put out two months ago, quarantine style. So nice. That's what I'll be doing tonight. Cool. Well, I think, I think we've said all we can about the girl and the world in the meeting of the two. Um, and so I'd like to thank everybody once again for listening to another episode of They Made Another One. You can find us all over the internet on Twitter at They Made Another, all one word, and on Letterboxd at TMAO. You can find episodes on Anchor, Spotify, Apple and Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Breaker, and everything else as They Made Another One. 
You can reach us via email at tmaopodcast at gmail.com with recommendations for future episodes, questions, comments, and your favorite episode of Girl Meets World. Our fantastic thumbnail art is done by Jade Dickinson, who you can find on Instagram at Jade Sketches. And our custom-made soundboard clips are courtesy of Jason DeLine, who you can find on Instagram at DeLineMan. Liam, where can people find you? You guys can find my film writing alter ego, Graham the Haunted Marshmallow, on Twitter and Letterboxd. My username is Graham the Mallow. And Bean, if you've got stuff you'd like to share, where can people find you? Check me out on Twitch at twitch.tv mrbean underscore zero zero seven cool and uh, you can catch me on twitter and letterboxd at mr cory price and uh bean thank you very much for coming on it was really fun to have you we know it was a long time coming so i'm glad that we could finally get this to work out and i'm sure we'll have you back sometime in the future if uh if you want to but it was great to have you on this time yeah thanks for having me it was a lot of fun yeah glad and um you can catch us here next week for more they made another one (laughs) 